Well, amen. Amen. Welcome in on this rainy day. Uh, but it is a day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen, church? Amen. Well, if you got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. All right. If you are in home groups, let me remind you, if you are not in home groups, uh, I want to invite you to participate in our small group study that we have. We have some that meet on Tuesday, have some that meet on Wednesday. We've got child care for those that meet on Wednesday as well. Uh, we would love for you to plug into our home groups. What we are going, we are in the middle of now is called a combo series where I am preaching on Sunday exactly what we are going through in our home group study. And so right now we are in the middle of our tough sayings of Jesus. You know, we live in a world that is all about how many people we can get the attention of that we can win over to our point of view. Social media, right? We've got TikTok and we've got Instagram and we've got Facebook and Twitter and all of the different social media platforms that we have. There's probably some new ones the teenagers can tell me about later. Uh, all of them are surrounded around accumulating interest in you. It is, about, it is about gaining as many followers as you can, getting as many likes as you can. And there are people that build whole way of living around those things. In fact, uh, us as a church, as three campuses, North, East, and Athens, all of us uh, are actually working with an organization where they are looking into our social media presence and how we can improve that, how we can grow in that, all this stuff. Like, there's a lot of things that go into it. We live in a day and age where attracting interest and accumulating a crowd very, very important. But when we look at the tough sayings of Jesus, Jesus is not concerned with accumulating a crowd. How do I know that? Because there are multiple things that Jesus says that we are talking about. We talked about Sunday, right? Eat my blood, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Right off the bat, right? That's people about you, but I'm not friends with people that tell me those types of things, right? We're out. I'm no longer a friend with you if you ask me to do that. I'm just not going to, right? I'm, I don't, I don't, I'll, I'll, I'll take that hit, right? Jesus says other things. This past week in our home groups, right, we talked about difficult sayings that Jesus, that Jesus would call his disciples to, right? He didn't make it easy on anybody. Sometimes I feel like as a church, we can focus so much on getting people in our doors that we miss a clear teaching of scripture that the church is to disciple. There's a refining process to church growth that we as a church have to be mindful of. We can't fall into the trap of, of creating mindless followers or creating people that are just here for along for the ride. Jesus had some of those people at different times in his ministry. And Jesus addressed them in a very specific way. And so in the middle of this tough saying of Jesus, we're Jesus last week saying things that seem societally unacceptable, right? Like I'm not going to eat flesh and drink blood. That's, that's nasty. We're not going to do that. Right? This 
week, we find him saying something that seems relationally acceptable with some of the people that matter the most to us. So Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 26. Listen to what Jesus says. If that hate his father, his own father and mother, and wife and children, and brothers Yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Father, give us understanding. Your words are the words of eternal life. And so, God, because this passage is difficult... Give us hearts to understand what you are communicating to those who would be that would follow you as Lord and Savior. God, may we apply it to our life today. May we serve you. May the pursuit of you in our life call every other connection that we have in this world pale in comparison to what it means to be a follower of you. Father, we love you. We thank you for what you're going to teach us today in your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Saying, right? This is tough. If you don't hate your father, mother, wife, children, sisters, although my kids would probably not have a problem with the last one, right? Like, deal, got that one. Thank you, Jesus, right? Uh, your own life, you cannot be my disciple. Now, we can take that face value, we can take this passage out of scripture, out of context, and we can use that to mean then we should estrange ourselves from our family. Our family is just going to hold us back. So we need to get away from our family. We need to sever all relationships with them. Uh, there are some that would take that to mean it's okay to have a very pessimistic and uh, a, a very, uh, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, an insecure way of living. They've got insecurity. that Because we should hate our own self and our own bodies, right? But this is not what scripture teaches. When we seek to study scripture, we have to do it in context. And one of the greatest texts that we have is the rest of scripture, right? The rest of scripture that proved to us that this, there is something different. There is something below the surface. So people tell me all the time, well, I just take, I just, I just read scripture and I take it to mean a literal translate, like literally what it means. Well, that's fine and good, except in this case, right? Like, hate my brother, sister. And so if we're not comparing it to the whole canon of scripture, we are missing greater context. Verses like Colossians chapter three, and you can write these down if you want to on your notes. They're going to be on the screen as well. You may not have time to turn there because we're going to hit them quick. But listen to Colossians three when it comes to relating to your family. What did Paul say? Colossians three, 18 through 21. Wives, submit yourself to your husbands. Wives to husbands as fitting to the Lord. Husbands, Love your wives. Is Paul going against what Jesus said here? Husbands are to hate their wives, right? That's what Jesus said. So husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, 
Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. When you talk about a nuclear family, we are dealing with every single perspective. We are dealing with how children relate to parents. We're dealing with how parents relate to children. We're dealing with how husbands and wives relate to one another. Listen, the dynamics of your home matter to God. I would say they matter to the gospel as well. Your home is to be the hub of operations by which the gospel is most effective and most easily shared. That is what your home is called to be. To say that God, is, that Jesus is saying that you should sever all ties and get away from your family is to miss the clear teaching of the rest of Scripture. There's plenty of places I could have gone, but Colossians t- states it very clearly. How about insecurities and, and, and having a poor self-image? My, Psalms 139, Psalm 139, 14. The psalmist doesn't have a poor self-image. He, listen to what he says, I praise you. To God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your words. it very well. God hasn't made a mistake. If there is something that seems out in my life and about who I am, that is not an eternal perspective. That is a human perspective, right? Knit me together, as he tells Jeremiah. Knit me together in my mother's womb for a specific purpose, for a certain thing to be used for kingdom glory. And so I am fearfully and wonderfully made. This is not a man that struggles, or not a psalmist that struggles with insecurities here. Wonderful are your works. Look to your neighbor and say, you're wonderful. You're welcome if that was your spouse. Some of you guys probably needed some, needed, needed a, an up your game in the words of affirmation, so you're welcome for that. All right, I don't know if you get as much credit for it if the pastor tells you to do it, but hey, it was worth a shot, Right? Listen to Mark 12, 31. You talk about relationships in your life. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Right? It's understood that you should love yourself in as much that we are creating the image of God. We are worthy of dignity. And if we have Christ, we have value as children of God. Right? And we are to love the relationships in our life are not deterring us, right? They're not holding us back. Jesus says here. We have to look at it in the context that it was written. The differences of languages and all of these things, these nuances that are there. Let's look first at the invitation following Jesus. Jesus offers an invitation. A lot of times when we offer invitations, maybe some of you are here because someone invited you. Here's what they probably didn't say. Here's what they probably didn't say about our church, all right? Here's what they probably didn't say. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't be here. Listen to Luke 14, 25 through 27. Now, great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and he said to them, you ready? Here's the pitch. Here's the sale. We got a lot of people here, make a lot of impact. Here's the time. Let's give it to them. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and his wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he can't. My disciple. And then he says in verse 27, in case you didn't get it, in case that's not uncomfortable enough, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Again, the terminology of the cross is softened in our day, but this was the instrument of the most inhumane torture and death that history has ever received. 
carrying the instrument of your torture, which was the, the practice the Romans would, in a way of humiliating and kill them, they carry their cross to the place that they would be executed. And Jesus says, if you're going, I'm, I'm inviting you to follow me. Here's all that you got to do. Hate everybody in your life. Hate yourself and take up your instrument of torture and follow me daily. If you do all that, you can be my disciple. This is the invitation in a great crowd, right? That's verse 25. A great crowd around Jesus. This is his invitation. Jesus finds himself again in a position of particular popularity. Maybe the crowd was there to see miracles that he had done. Uh, maybe they, were, they, they loved the of it. Maybe they were there to be fed again, right? Just like last week we talked about, they, they wanted to be fed like manna from heaven. Hey, Moses gave us manna. Why don't you give us some more bread, right? You fed us yesterday. How about today? We don't know why they were there. Maybe they were looking for a meal ticket. Maybe they were part of the group that would be around Jesus that would eventually overflow, uh, overthrow the Roman Empire, right? I want ground floor, so I'm going to get in good with Jesus now. I'm going to follow him now, and then I'll be a general, or I'll be an official in his governance as he reigns as Messiah. This is what the rabbis taught, and so maybe there were those that thought they could advance themselves by being around who they perceived to be the Messiah. We don't know why people were there, but we, knew, we know that they were there for their own ends. We knew we know that because they unity to better themselves being around Jesus. My friend, if you're here at church today and you're here because you need to be a better person, I want you to know that is not the invitation of Jesus. The invitation of Jesus is not. For you to be a better person. The invitation of Jesus. Is to come. And to die. To bear your cross is to. Own your own death. To sacrifice and lay down your life. In order to serve. A kingdom purpose. He didn't. Die to make you better, to make you new. You were dead. You are dead here outside of a relationship with Christ, regardless of being in the four walls of this church or not. You are dead in your transgressions and sin outside of a relationship with Jesus. So he can just make you better. He's not here just to advance you. He's not here just to advance this crowd. He's calling them an invitation to come and lay down their life. That's hard, but it's what he's calling them to do. Hate here in the Greek is the word meseo. It, is, it means literally to hate or detest. He's not softening terms here. This is literally the harshest word that means hate. It's hatred so much to the point that you are willing to oppose the other person. 
You're willing to stand when battle lines are drawn. You are willing to stand with the other army to fight against these people. So your mother, your, your, your father, your wife, your children, even your own self, you are to stand diametrically opposed to one another. It's the harshest word that he could have possibly used. But what does he mean by this understanding? Here's the best way that I can think of it. My kids want to do a whole lot of stuff. Me as a parent, my wife as a parent, I probably let them do a lot more than, than she. I'm probably a little more lenient. We don't let them do everything they want to do. This week, right? Now, we, we did out to this, but this week, Daddy, I, I, I want to go hunting. I want to go hunting. Killed a bunch of ducks in it. I want to go hunting. Son, you can't go hunting. We'll get thrown in jail if you don't go to school. Right, and it worked out. School canceled. All, it worked out. Right, and so he was able to go. But son, if you don't, if you don't go to school, we'll go to jail. Right, Daddy, I wanna, I wanna do this. I, I wanna, I wanna buy this toy. This Maddie's in the fridge. Want this? Right, she wants it. She wants everything. Right, because as long as I have a card, right, I've got money. If I got a check when I was a kid growing up, if I got a check, I got money. Right, they don't understand that that's tied to something. Right, and uh, it's tied to a very little something. Right, and so, uh, and and so I'm. You know, they're asking all these things, and there is a point where I say, son, daughter, Madison, Cooper, no. It doesn't mean that I don't love them. This, I have to stand in opposition to what they want because I know it doesn't serve what they need. So I, as parents, Becca, as a parent, must stand between what they want and what they need because we know what's best for them. Every relationship in your life, one thing, flaws. Every relationship in your life has flaws. The reason is, is because every one of us have flaws. There are times when we can be used by the enemy, even as God's people, we can be used as the enemy to voice things that are in direct opposition to what God would want. And so what Jesus is speaking of here is desire, people's desires. Listen, they were, he was speaking to people that if they were to follow Jesus, they couldn't just hang out for the free meal plan. right? If they were to follow Jesus, it would require them leaving their entire life to be a Jew to was to be a, a part of your family right it, it came through birth it's how the blessings were passed down and so to be connected to your family was all important but what Jesus was asking disciples to do would have been in direct opposition to the desires of their family and he said when you compare the two when you oppose the ones that you may love, but when you oppose them, your devotion to, be, to me should be strong that it looks like hate in comparison because you are unwilling to not remain committed to me even to the detriment of your family's desires, your children's desires, your wife and husband's desires, and even your own desires. 
what God has called me to wins every time. Listen to this commentary I read. I thought it was good. It provided to us. Our modern day understanding of the word hate pigeonholes it as the opposite of love. So the word hate, right, in the Greek, though it is the harshest form of the word, it doesn't necessarily mean it is the opposite of the word love. However, it's best understood as exaggerated contrast. In the context of Jesus's story, hate had the meaning of loving less, not the essence of love. So it's not the opposite of love. It's the willingness to be in opposition while you still love affection for them. But your commitment to Christ is unwavering. There's been many times in my life where I have allowed things that God has blessed me with to hold me back from doing what I knew God had told me to do. God blesses us with things like children. But parents, don't you realize they're not yours? They're resources. They're, they, are, they are God's. They're made in his... They're God's given advantage to steward for a while. They are arrows in our quiver, but they are not given to us. They are on loan to us from God. When they stand at the end of creation, they're not going to give an account to me and to you. They'll give an account to a holy God. Why? Because they belong to him. And as much as I would love my kids to grow up and be close to me, we have great relationship with all of our children and I hope that continues of course we're coming into teenage years you know so here we go but we want that to continue I'd love for my family what happens if Cooper decides that God is what, what happens if God leads Cooper to, to an impoverished country in the 10 for 30 window and, and he is leading people to Jesus uh, as a missionary remote area can't have access to him well in my flesh I like that like, I want, to be, I want him to be close, but y'all, that ain't my call. Now it's my call right now, right? But do what God has led him to do. There are so often in our life that we, our families are trying to do things and, 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 and some of them truly making steps in their relationship with God and we hold them back because we're in the flesh. We allow our desires to dictate. And so because I'm not the person that gets to make that call for him as he grows up, by the Lord to whatever branch of ministry or however he decides to use him, God gets to make that call, not me. And any effort I would make would probably hold him back. And so what he's saying is, listen, your family connections are about to get really strained. If you continue with me, now if you're just here to see a show, whatever, but if you really follow me, this is going to be detrimental to your social life. This is going to be detrimental to your 401k. This may be detrimental to every other relationship in your life, but I am enough. Boy, that requires a ton of faith because we in, in our life, we don't, Order our life that way. We hedge our bets, don't we? Like we trust God to provide, but as long as we keep the safety net on the side, right? Like I trust God with my family, but I've got this if things don't work out, right? But God is saying 
all other connections should pale in comparison. You follow after me. Take your cross, die to your desires, die to any other external factor, die to that and focus in on me. To follow in your notes is to only follow Christ. Big Daddy Weave, I found out, just passed away, the lead singer of Big Daddy Weave this week. Um, he, sing, he sang a song that meant a lot to me as a, as a teenager, right? He, he sang a song, Audience of One. That do we live our life truly for an audience of one? This is what it means to stand in opposition to all others in pursuit of what Christ has for us. So what would it take to cause you to be disobedient to the Lord? A rogue desire of in yourself? Would it take a rogue desire in someone else? Would it take a connection that you have in this world? Forsake it all. Because to, to follow Christ is to follow only Christ. He gives us two the illustrations of following Jesus. Jesus, master teacher, gave illustrations. So that's why I try to give illustrations and object lessons. Listen to what verse 28 says. For which of you, desiring to build a does not first sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man has began to build, a build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not separate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. Let me describe it to you this way. Y'all know that I'm not handy. I've told y'all as much. I'm not very handy. I have noticed that the right tool does make you a lot handier, but I'm still not handy. All right? I don't have a lot of know-how as some of you in this room have. And I'm going to share this story, and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you I'm not really interested because I know some you know, and I, I just, I, it's a good time for us, okay? It's just not a good time, all right? We are renovating our home. Uh, we have done a lot, but my wife has found other things. Uh, and so it, it, the need dictates, what well, I ain't got to explain my um, I've been renovating my home. And I've got another project that we decided, hey, we decided, okay, whatever, I, whatever, that we needed to do. We needed to tear out our shower. It's a capsulated shower and, and, and tub. We were going to tear it out and, and build it back. And, of course, you have to get into the sheetrock and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and initially I thought, well, hey, I put down our flooring. Like, I, I did some things. So maybe I, I ain't got the tools necessary to pull this off. This is outside my realm of expertise. I got a manpower deficiency that I didn't consider at first, and I need to consider it. So I considered it, and I picked up my phone. And I called somebody that I knew had the manpower. And we, he came over to the house, and man, we had a great conversation. I told him exactly what I wanted, and guess what? He knew exactly how to pull it off. He knew exactly how to pull it off. And I was like, well, this is great. Becca, this is going to be This will be wonderful. And then next week, after he had compiled his list of what it would take and how much it I got that was less. I didn't just 
power deficiency. I have a money power deficiency. Apparently, to renovate a home is expensive. I don't know if y'all knew that or not, but and apparently anything that deals with plumbing, and so apparently that's even more, right? And so I realized really quickly from that phone call, y'all, this ain't going to happen. Because the last thing I want to do is to get into something, tear out this shower and bath, and then you come over to my house, walk into my bathroom and go, dude, he ain't got a shower or a bath, right? Like that, there's some shame involved in that. If I invite you over to my home, I want you to see that at least I've got the things necessary to pull life off, right? And so, and so if I don't consider those costs, I am unwise in my decision. Well, he says this is exactly what that he gives, right? What does he say? If you're building a tower, you need to, nobody in the they're in a market for a full tower. And so if you're going to build a full tower, you need to consider how much it's going to cost, how much labor. And if you have enough money, then do it. If you don't have enough money, then don't do it, dummy. I said, which, which king would just, anybody can declare war. I can start war. I can start, I can start and declare war as a king. Any king can do that. But why in the world would I pick a fight with a bigger army? Why would I pick a fight? Men, he's got 20,000 men. If I realize that's happening, unless I got a lot of confidence in my boys, I'm sending some people like, hey, 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 I was just kidding. I was kidding about all the things I said about Oak going, what can I what can I pay to get you to not attack me, right? Like any king would do that. Why? Because it's not about beginning. Following Jesus, and y'all, there is so much in church. There's so much in this church. I'm just be honest with you. I'm convicted about this. There is so much in church that bring us to the point of starting a relationship with Jesus. But where many churches miss it is what Jesus is talking about here. Anybody can start. Listen to what I wrote. Follow Christ is to continue in Christ. It's not about how you start. Listen, the of this church is not to see people one to Jesus and to stop. To see people accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, maybe to get baptized and then to stop. Maybe to become a member and then to stop. This is not the point of following Jesus. The implication of following Jesus is that we must continue with Jesus. I'm not playing very good follow the leader if I follow the first gesture and I don't follow any others. I will lose that game of Simon Says, right? Because I'm not following. And so it's not about what we start, it's about how we finish. And in order for us who start, there has to be a time where we consider the cost. What's the cost? Are we willing to leverage all that we have for the purposes of God over our own? Is all that we have to be used for God or is all that God gives us to be used for us. This is the cost. In order to begin with Christ, 
We can't have a concept of him being our savior and saving us from sin if we are not willing to bow to his lordship. He is our ruler. And we are following him. We are giving up the right to call the shots for our life. Remember what Peter said, right? Like Jesus said, are you going to leave too? And he's like, why? I can't. You don't life. I've wagered it all on you, Jesus. God is looking for us not just to seek out a Savior to save us from our consequences. Because you're not the point of the gospel. You're not the point. God is. God didn't save you so that you could go to heaven. God saved you so that you got his glory until the day that you die. That you can bring that gospel and his glory to other tribes, tongues, and nations. To your neighbor down the street or to the aborigine in Africa. God to make a difference. And when we present a gospel that says, if you will just come, God will just save, we are missing lordship. We are laying down our lives. And he was calling bluff. Yeah, you're following me, but you're not here. You're not here to surrender anything. You're just here for the perks. You're not my follower. You're not a disciple. To be a disciple is to invest hook, line, and sinker into who God is. To trust him to meet your needs. And then everything in your life, you live with an open hand for God to use at his pleasure. Now that's really easy preaching And that is really hard living. That's easy to say and it is hard to live because it is so easy for us in our flesh to want what we want, to see what we want in family, to see what we want in others, to see and and, and to see what we want in our own life, right? To get preoccupied and distracted. But what he's calling us to is to eliminate all other distractions and to only follow Jesus because it's not beginning a relationship with him it's about continuing in that relationship there is a point there is a reason for you to be living and if you're living outside of that reason then it calls into question the initial relationship are we living for his kingdom glory have we bought in hook line and sinker There is a cost for discipleship. There is a fellowship in suffering that we'll experience. And y'all, that's not going to draw a crowd, but it creates disciples. Jesus wasn't in the business of saying what was popular. He He was in the business of calling people into relationship and obedience. So what does your life look like? Are there things in your life that are holding you back? Thirdly and finally, the implications of following Jesus. He sums it up. He sums it up with this thought in verse 33. So therefore, 
any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. They wanted to be in the in crowd. They wanted to be with Jesus because Jesus was moving and he was shaking. He was doing something. But you're not going to be my disciple. This was Jewish language. You're not, I'm not going to invest in you. You're not going to be invested in me. I'm not going to pour my life into you if you are not willing to renounce everything you have. When we see our lives as an end in and of itself, we hold back from God. But when we see our life as a means to his end, then we're willing to push all the chips into the middle of the table. Willing to relinquish. The word relinquish in the Greek actually means to leave or to say farewell to. Right? To say bye-bye to. It's the exact words that Paul used when he was leaving. In Acts 18, he had his little farewell to all the places that he had built, all the people that he loved, and he was saying farewell to them. That is the same word. And so when he says, you are to wave bye-bye to everything that you have. There's no way to soften this, church. Now, the beauty of it is that God still allows us these things, but we always see them for what they are. Things to be used for him and not for ourselves. This change, this is the perspective change that is required for us to understand what it means to be a committed follower of Christ, right? So it doesn't matter all the things that we can follow. Man, we can follow things on social media. We can follow things on news outlets. We can follow things uh, in, in, in everyday life. We can follow things in sports. We can follow things in, in our children's lives. We can follow things in our career. We can follow a lot of things, but listen to this, to is to acknowledge him as the only thing worth following. He's the only one that's worth it. Sports team's going to let you down. Hopefully later instead of sooner. Your family's going to let you down. Your career is going to let you down. But to be a follower of Christ is to acknowledge that Jesus is the only spring of life that gives us life. And so we are to have full life. We have it in him and him alone. So to, not to follow him is to acknowledge him as the only thing. We're hold of Christ, however, means hold on everything and anything else. Have you bid farewell to things in your life? Or do you have connections to continue to hold you back? Jesus is calling us to deeper discipleship. In our home groups this week, Jesus doubles down on it. Jesus talks to people that are doing what we're talking about here. He's talking to the 12, his inner circle. And you know what he tells them? He you did it. I was just kidding about all that. 
You know what he tells them? Matthew 10, there in home groups. He says, don't think that this journey is going to be peaceful. I didn't come to bring peace. In fact, I brought a sword. And your commitment to, to me is going to put you in opposition. It's going to put you in opposition to friends. It's going to divide homes. It's going to divide ways of life. Why? Because you are living a different way of life than the world. And that was a reality in the day that it was written in. And y'all, just because we live in the United States, that we live in the 21st century, doesn't mean that it's not the same for us, that it's not reality for us today. But regardless of what it means, my yes is on the table. Is yours. Is your yes on the table? To understand what it means for Christ means is to give up all the ways that you've tried to meet your own. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Please don't misunderstand. God has called us to pursue right relationships with people. God has called us to value who we are in Him. God has called us to grow in the context of our family and love for one another so that we can better serve Him. But all of those things... All of those things are not the point for your life. Not if you're a disciple of Jesus. The point of your life is to serve him. Is to be close to him. Is to grow into his image more and more every day. And then everything else he gives, everything he provides is seen with the perspective that it's all for him. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. What it means to be a disciple. Can you imagine how earth-shattering that news was to the people that heard it that day? You may be in here and it may have rocked your world. Maybe you're in here today and maybe you've settled for less than that. Maybe you've walked an aisle, checked a box, prayed a prayer, You were a sinner, you needed a savior. Fully understanding that you didn't want to spend an eternity in hell. But maybe you never laid it down. Maybe you never laid your life down to him as your savior. Man, we've got counsel about how you can know that you have a relationship with Jesus. He can't be your savior unless he's your Lord. But if he's your Lord, he will, he will be your savior. It's who he is. So maybe you need to surrender. Maybe you need to lay down. Let go. Let go. Let go of what's holding you back and take hold of a foundation that's true, that's solid, that's not going to fail you. And then watch how it transforms everything in your life. That's the invitation. Would you come? If you need a relationship with Christ, would you come? If you need to spend time at this altar, child of God, laying down things that have held you back for too long, would you come? If you need accountability to live a life 
in obedience to Christ. Maybe you need to be a part of what we're doing here at North. You need to be a member here at North. Would you come? I'm here with love to talk to any. Or you can quietly here in the, the altar. Or you can make the altar your seat. Do business with God. This is your time to respond to God's invitation. Father, have your will and way in this place, in our hearts and in our lives. Let us be different. Let us be different than the spirit that motivates this world. Let us be different than the spirit that motivates people in our lives maybe that we love and that we care for immensely. But God, let us live a life in obedience to you. No turning back. I pray for one that needs to surrender you for the very first time. I know you're doing business. I can feel your spirit moving in hearts and lives. Father, do business. Give them boldness to respond. As they take the first step, that you would take the rest of them for them. I pray for the one that needs to know you as Lord and Savior. God, we thank you for your word. Living and active. Pray that it would do its work in this moment. In Jesus' name. Amen. And would you stand to your feet as we sing? You respond however it is God's led you to respond in this time. Don't, don't let someone else's opinion of you, don't let other people in this room hold you back. Just respond. Give it over. Let go and take hold of Jesus today.